Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your love, Lord, towards us. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, and we thank you, Father, for the greatest gift, your Son, given to us to die for us that we would have life, eternal life. And we also thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of mothers, such a, a special gift to us. They are beautiful, wonderful, graceful. And Lord, we honor them this, this morning. We should honor them every day. And Lord, we set aside this day, Lord, to acknowledge them. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we, we, we walk through your word, that we would all, Lord, be encouraged and, Lord, perhaps even convicted learning the lessons that are taught this morning. And Father, I decrease that you increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind will be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's praise him. He is worthy, okay? All right. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Exodus. We're in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is today's text. We're going to take a break from our series, Authentic, from 1 John, so we can focus on this message in honor of our mothers. And as I said in my prayer today is the day that we, that we set aside to recognize, to celebrate, and to honor our mothers. And someone please say amen to that. Everyone say motherhood. Say it louder. Motherhood. And motherhood encompasses biological mothers, stepmothers, single mothers, foster mothers, adoption mothers, godmothers, and, and spiritual mothers. Now, me, my brother Albert, and my sister Rebecca have been so fortunate and so blessed to have an amazing, amazing godly mother, one who has demonstrated a lifestyle of integrity, a lifestyle of grace, of love, of faithfulness, and a lifestyle of godliness. And mom's not here. She'll be in the second service. She's serving in the nursery. She's 84 years old, serving in the nursery. Huh? So I just want to thank God for her godly influence in my life. She is special to me. Now, my kids have been so fortunate and also blessed to have an amazing godly mother, and I see how much she loves them, how much she prays for them and protects them, and there's no words to express her commitment and faithfulness to God and her love for our children. Our children are truly, truly blessed. And Lucinda, where are you? Get back there. Hey, babe, I praise God for you. Uh, you are a woman of, of godly character, a woman of conviction and integrity, and I thank you for your godly influence in our children's lives. I praise God for you, love you, and thank you for all that you do. Amen? Amen. Now, if your life has been blessed and touch, blessed by the touch and love and influence of a godly mother, then you have enjoyed one of the greatest treasures and blessings in life. Can someone say amen? Now, I want to say this. If your mother was not what she she should have been, in other words, she was not a good influence in your life, then forgive her. 
Ask God to give you the strength and the grace to forgive her and honor her and love her. You don't need to honor her personality, but you must honor her position. She's your mother. Amen? I want to read something to you. I've read it several times in our Mother's Day Day messages, but I love it. It's called Mother's Love. And it goes like this. Someday when my children are old enough to understand the logic that motivates a parent, I will tell them, I loved you enough to ask you where you're going, with whom, and what time you would be home. I loved you enough to be silent and let you discover that your new best friend was a jerk. Huh? I loved you enough to stand over you for two hours while you cleaned your room, a job that should have taken 15 minutes. I loved you enough to let you see anger and disappointment and tears in my eyes. Children should know that their parents aren't perfect. Isn't that true? I loved you enough to let you assume the responsibility for your actions, even when the penalties were so harsh, they almost broke my heart. But most of all, I loved you enough to say no, to say no, when I, when I knew you would hate me for it. And those were the most difficult battles of all, and I'm glad I won them because in the end, you won too. Amen? The title of my message today is Godly Influence. Everyone say that. And in today's text, I want us to look at the example of a godly mother's influence. And I want us to look at one of the the greatest mothers revealed in the pages of the Bible. Now, now though this, this is Mother's Day message, we get it. It's a Mother's Day message. There are many lessons as we go through this passage here that speak to every person here. Amen? We can all learn something from this message. Four points if you're ready to say yes. Number one is her credentials. Write that down. Say that. Her credentials. Write that down. We're going to look at verse 1 here of Exodus chapter 2. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. In chapter 6 verse 20 of Exodus, chapter 6 verse 20, tells us their names. Their names are Amram and Jochebed. Say Jochebed. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Yochaved, and I'm going to say it that way throughout the passage, Yochaved. It means Yahweh is glory or glory of Jehovah. Now, Yochaved was an Israelite. She was a Hebrew woman living in Goshen in the land of Egypt in slavery before the Exodus. And she, she is a member of the tribe of Levi. Most of you guys know that. It was from the tribe of Levi. By the way, it was from the tribe of Levi, which would come the priest and those who would carry out the duties of the tabernacle or slash the temple. Jochebed is one of the major characters in the Old Testament, even though her appearance is short and not much is told about her. We don't, we don't know much about her, but she's significant. Amen? She and her husband, Amram, had three children. Most of you guys know who they are. The firstborn was Miriam. Say Miriam. She was a gifted poetess, musician, and prophetess. The second born was Aaron, say Aaron, who became Israel's first high priest and the founder of the Aaronic priesthood. The third born was Moses, say Moses, who became one of the greatest, greatest national leaders and legislators the world has ever known. Now, I want to point out something here that Moses, 
along with his brother and sister, had something very precious in their lives. They had, listen now, believing parents. Someone say amen. They had believing parents who had a profound and lasting influence in their lives, especially in the life of Moses. Now listen, parents, listen now. One of the best gifts you can give to your children, listen now, is to be a father and a mother of faith. One who believes in Christ. One who believes in the living God. And this was the benefit that came to Moses. Say her credentials. Number two is her courage. Say courage. My message is short and sweet today. Her courage. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 with me. Write that down. Her courage. Verse 2. And she became pregnant, Yochaved, and gave birth to a son when she saw that he was a fine child. Moses was fine. Okay. Just want to make sure you're awake this morning. The New American Standard Bible says it that he was beautiful. The King James says he was a goodly child, which means goodly means attractive. And what we have here in the Hebrew word is tov. Say tov. Tov is a general word that means good, means favorable, it means special, it means beautiful. And perhaps when Moses was born, Amram and Yochaved looked at him And they just knew, they just knew in their hearts that God had a special plan for Moses. And Moses was a special, beautiful, favored child. Now let's read on. She hid him for how many months? Three months. Now why did she hide him? Why did she hide him? Well, let's go back to chapter 1 of Exodus, verses 15 through 17, and also verse 22. And if you know the story, Pharaoh was threatened by the number of the Hebrew population. And he said, the Israelites have become much too numerous. And so he devised a plan to kill every Hebrew male-born child. Every Hebrew male-born child was under a death sentence. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 1, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names was Sifra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew woman in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. And you see, if Pharaoh could succeed in killing every male born Hebrew child, then he could control the Hebrew population. Verse 17 of chapter 1. And it says that the midwives feared God, Allah, say feared God, and did not do what Pharaoh told them to do. Praise God for that. Verse 22. It says, Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now, a parallel passage to the text is found in Hebrews chapter 11. Write it down. Verse 23. And there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid. I love this. They were not afraid of the king's edict. You guys get that? Not afraid of the king's edict. Now, it must have been difficult, right, to hide a child, hide Moses for three months. Why? Because babies cry. Babies are loud, right, moms? 
And it, and it must have been difficult for Yochaved to keep Moses quiet while nursing him. She was the one taking care of him. She was the one who was nursing him. But she displayed great courage. Say courage. Courage. She took great risk to protect her son. And his safety was more important than hers. And even if it meant, friends, listen now, even if it meant dying for her son. And you see, even though death for baby Hebrew boys was the law of the land, say law of the land, she chose to give him life instead. She chose life for her child. And Yochebed refused her own life. She refused her own comfort. She refused her own convenience. And she refused her own safety. She refused to go with the flow and she refused to bow, I love this, she refused to bow down to Pharaoh's demands. Yochaved feared God. This is the point here. Yochaved feared God in heaven more than a king on earth. <clears throat> Can someone say amen? Now listen, the Bible is very, very clear. If you read the word of God, it's very clear that we are to obey, as Christians, are to obey the law of the land. Unless, unless, it goes against God's word, God's nature, and God's character. And if it does, we don't obey it. Are we good with that? So are you guys ready for the lesson? Here it is. Be courageous. Say that. Be courageous. If you're saved, say amen. As Christians, we need to be courageous and take a stand for that which is right. Right. Say right. In these dark and sinful days, and aren't they? Dark and sinful days. That we as believers would stand up for what is right. Because we live in a, a society, we live in a culture today that is anti-God. That is anti-Christian. That is anti-God's word. And we got to have the spiritual guts and the courage to stand up for what is right and true. Can someone say amen? Say, say her credentials. Say her courage. Number three is her confidence. Write that down. Say that. Her confidence. And by confidence, what I'm referring to here is her faith. Her faith. Okay? We saw her credentials, who she is. A Levite woman, right? We saw her courage. She took a stand, didn't go. Listen, she did not abide by the edict of Pharaoh. And now we see her confidence, her faith, her faith. And, and there are two ways that Amram and Yochaved exhibit faith. They exhibit faith by hiding Moses for how many months? Say it again, three months, which I already mentioned in the parallel passage in Hebrews, right? Remember that? By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Now listen, they didn't do this only because of, of natural parental instinct. They did it also out of faith in God. The second way they exhibit their faith is by releasing Moses. They released Moses. I want you to look at verses 3 and 4. Stay with me now. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and covered it with tar and pitch. It's like a little ark. Isn't that cool? Then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister, who's that? Miriam, say Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. 
See, it's one thing for Yochebed to hide her baby for three months. One thing, right, for that. And quite another to say goodbye. And to say goodbye to her baby and, and also say, I may never see you again. And can you imagine how difficult, can you imagine how painful that was to send her son down the Nile in a basket? I think about it, moms. Can you imagine the kind of faith in God she had to have in order to do that? It was by faith, say by faith, she entrusted her son into the very hands of the living God. Verses 5 and 6, stay with me now. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. I want to stop there because bathing in the Nile was a very common thing back then. Now, now, now listen. You see, the Egyptians associated the Nile River as being a sacred body of water overseen by one of the many gods, many gods of Egypt. The God of Osiris. Say Osiris. And we got to remember that Egypt was a, a polytheistic culture. They worshipped and believed in many gods. They worshipped and believed in many goddesses. And so part of honoring the God Osiris was the ritual bathing in the Nile River. As well as cleaning oneself. Let's read on. She saw the basket among the reeds, and sent her slave girls to get it. Verse 6. She opened it and saw the baby. He was what? Crying. And she felt sorry, compassion for him. It's key. Underline that. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. When Pharaoh's daughter saw baby Moses, and, and when she heard his cry, the, the Scripture tells us she had what? Compassion on him. She felt sorry for him, right? In other words, the cry of Moses, let's say it this way, melted her heart. Got it? Melted her heart. James Vernon McGee said this, and I love it. God brings two things together that he made, a baby's cry and a woman's heart. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? When a woman, I don't care wherever you, are, wherever you are, when a woman hears a baby cry, Say, oh, poor baby. Oh poor, oh, poor baby. Right? I mean, they're just like, oh, poor baby. But when a man, on the other hand, when a man hears a baby cry, they're like, ah, come on. Ah, come on. Why are you crying? Right? I mean, right? Right? There's really no compassion there sometimes. It's just a woman's heart. Now, now what's interesting, stay with me here now, is Osiris, the god of the Nile River, was seen as the god of fertility. Got it? And perhaps, perhaps Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby as a gift from Osiris to her. Perhaps she was infertile. We don't know. We don't know. Speculation. But she could have seen the baby, baby Moses, as a gift to her. Now I want to point out something in the text. Let's go back to the text again. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is what she said. This is what it says. This what she said. This is one of the Hebrew babies. She said, "You guys got that?" So, so obviously Pharaoh's daughter knew that baby Moses was a what? A Hebrew, right? And she also knew her father's edict was to what? To kill every 
male-born Hebrew child. Listen, Pharaoh's daughter was conditioned by her culture and by her upbringing to reject and hate the Hebrews. Hate them. So she could have had Moses killed right on the spot there. Right? I mean, think about it, right? But it was God's sovereign providence, say providence, that causes her to have compassion on the baby. Listen, listen. God guided baby Moses right to a prepared heart. Got it? You see, Yochavet had faith that God would protect her son. And she entrusted her son to God's safekeeping. She couldn't see the whole outcome. She couldn't see it. It was by faith. She couldn't see the whole outcome, but she had faith. Now, was this easy? Heck no. I can't even imagine, right? This was not easy. I can imagine her saying, Lord, I don't understand what in the world you're doing and why you're allowing this. I can imagine her saying, I have no idea, God, what, what you have planned and all this, but Lord, I trust you. I'm going to do this, and I trust you. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Parenting takes a lot of faith. And all the parents said, parenting takes a lot of faith. I say amen to that. See, as parents, there are times when God allows, doesn't cause it, but allows trials and testings to come into our lives in regards to our children. And it's not fun. It's not fun. And it's tough. But I believe that God allows these trials and testings to drive us closer to him and to trust him more. And this is exactly what happened to Yochavet. Question, parents. What are you going through right now in regards to your children? Think about that. And are you putting your, listen, are you putting your trust in God with them? Are, are, are you entrusting your children in God's safekeeping? And you see, I want to tell you this. We need to learn from Yochavet. Because Yochavet let go with her hands. But she held on with her heart. Amen? And we need to let go with our hands, but hold on with our hearts and trust God and have faith in God. What, what are your, how, is, how are your children living right now? And perhaps you're just, you're brokenhearted because of the way they're living or the things they're doing. And, and I, I would just, encourage you to just put them in God's hands. And it's difficult at times because you know what? We just, we just want to do our part. I mean, we, we just want to step in and try to do God's part. But we must step aside, let go with our hands, but hold on with our heart and trust God. Amen? And let God do his work in their lives. Can I get an amen? Her credentials, her courage, her confidence, number four is, I love this, her compensation. Her compensation, write that down. And I want you to look at verses seven through nine with me. Her compensation. Then his sister Miriam asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? 
Verse 8, yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Got Yochebed. Verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yochebed, take this baby and nurse him for me. Listen, and I will pay you. And all the mama said, so the woman took the baby, Yochebed took him and what? Nursed him. Not only does Yochebed get her baby back, right? And not only does she get royal protection while she has her baby, but she also gets paid to be a mother. How awesome is that? Right? She gave up, say she gave up, what she could not keep and received back more than what she gave. I'm going to say it again. She gave up what she could not keep and receive back more than what she gave. Therefore, she was able to lay the foundation for Moses during the first five or six years of his life. Verse 10. When the child, Moses, grew older, she, Yochavet, took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, Pharaoh's son. She named him Moses, saying what? I drew him out of the water. Say Moses. Moses is Moshe from the Hebrew word Masha. Moshe Masha, which means to take out or to draw out. He was drawn out of the Nile River, right? Drawn out of the water. Follow me. He will be used, listen now, he will be used to draw the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and to be given their land. So he fulfilled his name. And what I love is this, God, say God, skillfully guided Moses' parents, guided the currents of the Nile, and guided the heart of Pharaoh's daughter, daughter, to further his plan and his purpose. Amen? Now, before I close, I, I want us to notice something, okay? Because Moses, if you know the story, obviously Moses was raised by two mothers, right? Two mothers, Yochaved and Pharaoh's daughter. Both of them invested themselves into Moses' life. So I want you to follow me here. Pharaoh's daughter gave Moses the best that Egypt could offer. How do I know this? Well, write this down. Acts chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Acts 7, verses 21 through 22. When he was placed outside, speaking of Moses, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. She gave Moses the best education available. Egypt, Egypt, listen now, was one of the most academic and scientific societies among the ancient culture. Smart. You guys with me? So it's reasonable, I believe it's reasonable to think that Moses was instructed in geography, instructed in history, grammar, instructed in writing and literature, philosophy, 
and also in music. He learned it all. Say, he, he learned it all. He was advanced. He was, listen now, he was in the royal family. And not to mention, he was in line for the throne. He was a successor to Pharaoh's throne. He was being trained as a prince of Egypt for leadership that would serve him well in the later years. But Yochaved, say Yochaved, his birth mother gave him something his adoptive mother couldn't give him. You see, Yochaved introduced Moses to the God of Israel. Come on, someone say amen. In, in the five to six years that she raised him, she told him, it's safe to say she told him about the true living God. That she warned him about the false gods and false religions in, in Egypt. She, she had to have told him the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for sure she told him about the reason the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt and about the promises of the living God to deliver his people from bondage someday. Jochebed's faith, her faith, her selfless love, her sacrifice, and godly influence in Moses' life made possible the exodus of God's people from Egypt and literally changed the course of history. She instilled within him a love and a respect for God. Amen? And how do we know? How do we know that her lessons, how do we know that her godly influence took root in Moses' life? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Hebrews 11, 24-27. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verses 24 27, if you're getting the same amen. By faith, say by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, say by faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he, he saw him who is invisible. His mother's godly influence set the course for Moses' life. And with that being said, moms, you can give your children something that all the schools and all the universities and what this world cannot give them. You can give them the knowledge of the living God. Amen? You can give them a clear understanding of who God is. Right? And if you give them a clear understanding of who God is, guess what? They are well ahead of the smartest of their peers. They are far better off, not better, but better off than the peers who learn nothing of God from their parents. Amen? So follow me. In today's culture, 
parents want their children to have more than they did, right? That's the way it is, right? They want them to have a better education. They want them to have a better home. They want them to have a better life. And I get that. And that's not a bad thing. I get that. But as parents, what we should want more is that they have a deep, personal, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And we as parents should do everything and whatever it takes to cultivate their love for Jesus. And we should pray with them and we should pray for them. We should read the Bible with them and read the Bible to them. We should take them to church faithfully. We should see to it that they are involved in the things of God. But more than that, listen, parents, we should see to it that our personal walk with Jesus, parents, that our personal walk with Jesus matches our profession of faith. And so I'm going to close with one last lesson, and we're going to let you go. Here's a lesson. Let our talk match our walk. Parents, I'm talking to you. Let our talk match our walk. If you and I, listen now, if we're not living out our faith in Christ, then our words are serving no purpose. I mean, you can say all you want about godly living. You can say all you want about the Word of God. But if you're not living it out, so what? It serves no purpose. Our kids, listen now, parents, Christian parents, our kids need to hear Jesus on our lips and see Jesus in our lives. They need a mom and a dad, a mom and a dad who lives out what they believe, that they would see Jesus in our lives. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your word and for the opportunity this morning to acknowledge and celebrate, recognize, honor our mothers.